this time, Lord. Thank you for your presence, God. Lord, your presence is all we seek. Your presence is all we need, God. Everything is in your presence, Lord. We will go nowhere without it, Lord. We will live not one moment without your presence, God. Oh, God, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Your praise will ever be on our lips, Lord. Your praise will ever be on our lips, Lord. The rocks will not cry out for us, God. The rocks will not cry out for us, God. We will exalt the name of Jesus. We will lift You up, Jesus. We will put You above our situation. We will put You above our circumstance. We will put You above everything, Lord. And we will say, Jesus, You are high above. You defeated death. You defeated hell. You defeated the grave, God. We are not elevated in the name of COVID. We're not elevated the name of whatever God this world is trying to elevate, God. Because Jesus, You're King. Jesus, You're Lord. Lord, there's none above You. It doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter who's in authority. It doesn't matter, Lord. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords, Lord. Father, have Your way in us, God. Have Your way in us in this place, Lord. We welcome You, Holy Spirit. We welcome You, Holy Spirit. We just worship You, God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. I feel like the Lord wants me to share that some of us are finding ourselves in places where we feel stuck. Where we feel like there's no momentum anymore. But I feel like there's a key that is being released in our worship this morning to break us free of that. There's the sacrifices of praise. You see, in heaven, there's not going to be a sacrifice of praise to give. Who knows, it's not going to be anything for us to sacrifice there. Everything's going to be holy. Everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be complete. But here, we get to offer the sacrifices of praise. Because we live in a fallen world. We live amongst sickness. We live amongst death. But what we get to do is we get to offer the sacrifices of praise. And in that place, we get to see breakthrough. We get to see things shift. We get to see the stone rolled away. We get to see the resurrection of life that Jesus offers to each and every one of us. And I just want to encourage you. I feel like God is saying, if you'll give me your praise in the hard things, in the hard times, amongst death of loved ones, amongst sickness, amongst fear, amongst everything that's going on in our world today, if you'll just give me praise, I will move, I will shift, and I will show you my glory. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that we get to come freely together and worship your name, Jesus. Father, we glorify you. 
We pray, Lord, that as we enter into the time of word, that you would prepare our hearts, God. That you would, God, open our minds to receive from you the things that would bring transformation and breakthrough, God. Lord, we pray for Pastor John. We pray that his lips would be anointed. That, Father God, that every word that is spoken today would come forth with the power of the Holy Spirit to break every chain, to move every mountain, and to proclaim your glory and your peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. It's good to be in God's presence. Amen. I really feel like there's just something special going on during worship there for this time. I mean, there's not not a whole lot of us here today, but uh, you know, sometimes that's that's all right where we just we just feel like we just we just get the breakthrough early. We don't have to push through. We were just we just jumped into right into to worshiping him and being with him and glorifying him. Probably what we needed the Sunday before election week, right? <laughs> oh boy, we had uh, one of our elders this morning prayed. Thank you, God, that the election cycle is is over. <laughs> that this election cycle is over. Some of us are ready. It's almost like you want it to end more than you want, you know, whatever your preference is for. Uh, the horrible person that's going to take the presidency. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, we live in a fallen world, right? So we're not depending upon government. We're not depending upon that for our happiness or our joy or our future or our salvation or anything. So um, really, the, our mission is the same. No matter what happens after Tuesday or if it takes two months or whatever, who knows? Uh, Jesus is still Lord, and He still commissioned you to bring the good news to everybody around you, to make disciples of the whole nations, uh, our nation, including other nations. So uh, nothing's changed for us. Uh, nothing's changed with our standing with God, and so let's just keep our eyes on Him. Pray, of course. Of course, pray for our nation. Pray for peace. Uh, most of all, pray for unity. Pray for people to come together because really that's what we need to do is, is come together um, around truth. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles for the, for the last time in this series to the book of 1 Peter. We are going to finish 1 Peter uh, this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to start at verse 6 and go to the end. And so if you've been here for what this has been about, I don't know, 14 messages or so, maybe 15, uh, I haven't looked at the number, haven't been numbering them, 
Uh, we've been going through this whole book of First Peter. If this is your first time to hear it, uh, you've only missed the first 13 parts. So <clears throat> you just have to read the book of First Peter up through chapter 5, verse 6, and that's what we've been covering. Uh, what, a, what a timely book this has been, I feel like, for uh, where we are in our world, where we are in our nation, uh, where we are in history, uh, that, you know, First Peter was written to a bunch of people who were going through suffering, who were going through challenges, who were going through trials, who had a lot of questions, and so uh, it's very been very relevant for us. And so let's let's pick up at verse six. Uh, we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open the Word of God, even as we're reading it. Show us things, reveal things to us in Jesus' name. And Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety or your cares on him because he cares for you. And be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And this is Peter's final greeting, and this is like kind of an addendum. He says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you. Who are in Christ. And so he, he says the final greeting there. Uh, just, just for fun. Uh, Mark there. His name is John Mark. He's the one that wrote the gospel of Mark. Uh, most likely. Most likely Peter actually recounted the stories. To this Mark. And that's how we got the gospel of Mark. Uh, so that Mark is really Peter's uh, view of the gospel. Uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So. I want to, we're going to focus on the end part is just simply a greeting and a summary. It just summarizes, here's what I, why I've been writing to you. Here's who's with me. Uh, here's who's sending their greetings to you. But there's some very important verses there that Peter ends with. If you last week, we ended with God opposes the proud, but sh- but shows grace or favor to the humble. And so we ended last week. And so Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And so Peter's going to talk about three things, basically humility, uh, casting your cares on God and resisting the devil right at the very end in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials. Here's some things you can do. Number one is stay humble. Last week we said that this is one of the only ways to get God to oppose you. I mean, there's ways you can, God can take his hands off your life in some ways. And I'm not talking about you become unsaved. I'm not talking about that God leaves you or deserts you. But there's sometimes where we do things, you know, where we step into things where God says, well, I have to let you just 
reap the consequence. You're going to reap what you sow in that. I'm not going to just protect you from everything. If you make that choice, uh, just like in the Garden of Eden, you know, it's kind of like God didn't know, no, stop, don't eat that. (laughs) He's like, God, why didn't you appear? He's like, I already said. I already appeared. And so he does that in our lives. And so, uh, but he says to humble ourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. It's very interesting that he says, humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. And if you know uh, the history of the Old Testament, uh, this, is, this word is huge. I mean, this word is like, is like pregnant with meaning because over and over again in the Old Testament, God will say or the people will say, remembering what God did, don't you remember God with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, you saved us, you rescued us, you delivered us, you freed us, over and over again. I want us to put Exodus 14.31. This is just one example of that. This, of course, is they're coming out of Egypt. Uh, and when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. That's Exodus 14.31. I'm not sure why our new thing doesn't put the reference, but that's not their fault up there. So... Um, over and over again through the Psalms, it'll say, with, an, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, God, you saved us, you did this, you delivered us, you freed us. And so over and over again throughout the Old Testament, there's, there's, there's probably, I don't know how many references there are, there's a lot of references to the mighty hand of God or God's mighty hand, and a lot of times it's His mighty hand and His outstretched arm. And so if you think about this, this is what you're humbling self, yourself under is the power of God to save and deliver and free. It's a whole lot easier to humble yourself under someone who has the power to do something. If you're putting yourself low, he's covering you. His covering, his protection is over you. And in the New Testament, you have the same thing, the idea of the hand of God or, or God's hand. What, what is it? It's not talking about just God has... You know, does God really have a hand? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, Jesus had a hand once he became a human, but does, God's a spirit. I mean, he's, he doesn't, he's not a human, okay? And so, anyway, try, not trying to get your brain turning too much. But like in the book of Acts, it says several times, If look at this one, Acts 19, it says, Now those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And then it's interesting, it says, And the Lord's hand was with them. Or the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So that the hand of the Lord is, is, is a symbol of breakthrough. The hand of the Lord is a symbol of God's victory and His salvation. It's like, you know, it, it's like, you know, when you, when you raise your hand in victory or something, when you just lift your hand up, you're, when you're cheering whatever you cheer for, I'm not going to go into what I cheered for this last week, and, you know, we won't say that. Those of you that know and love me know what that was. But, you know, you lift your hand up sometimes. You might... <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, finally, right? Cubs fans a few years ago. Okay, whatever. So, um, I'm a Dodger fan, for those of you that are new or guests or whatever. So... Um, 
But, you know, that's, that's the picture here is with God's hand. In other words, this is his strength. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, they'll even say his right hand. Now, it's not that God's biased against left-handers, but just that. <laughs> but right-handers are better. No, I'm going <laughs> to... I mean, really, we used to believe that in the world. Did you know, like, that, you know, when kids, like, when my dad was born, he's left-handed. They tried to change him to right-handed in school. Some of you might be old enough to remember that. Just if you remember that, you're old, okay? <laughs> Just want to re- let you know and remind you. But, no, it's not. But the picture in the Old Testament of God's right hand, it's his place of strength. When he says to his, you know, Jacob says to his son, you're the son of my right hand. In other words, you're sitting at the place of strength and authority. Where is Jesus sitting in heaven? It says that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says that in the New Testament, uh, I believe in the book of Hebrews. And so it's the place of strength. It's the place of authority. It's the place of victory. And so when you're humbling yourself under God's mighty hand, you're saying, God, I'm going to place myself and know that I don't have the victory in me. I, I don't have the strength in me. I don't have the authority in me without you. I don't have any of those things unless it comes from you. And so you're placing yourselves under the strength of God, under the authority of God, under the power of God, under the victory of God, under the way that God can reach out and actually do something when you humble yourself before Him. It's so easy, though, to just try to do it on our own, right? We just want to... We step out from under, man, humbling yourself under the hand of God. What the smartest thing you can do, the most logical thing we can do, the best thing we can do. But then sometimes we're like, well, it it doesn't, his hand doesn't move as fast as I want it to move. Boy, that clock, that clock that has not been changed just really freaked me out a second ago. Okay. So I thought it was done, but we're not done. We got a whole nother hour for me to preach. Oh, glory to Jesus. So. <laughs> Yesterday, this was 12 o'clock, so I know that some of you are like, it's 12 o'clock. Okay. But think about that. It's, it, how foolish it is to come out from under the hand of God and put ourselves under our own strength, put ourselves under our own wisdom, put ourselves under our own point of whatever victory we could come up with on our own. And that's what pride is. Thinking, I can do it without Him. In other words, valuing what I have to offer more than what he has to offer. Valuing what I think over what he thinks. Valuing what I can do, what my skills and abilities are over what his skills and abilities are. But humility says, no, I don't have anything to offer, Lord, apart from you. And so I'm going to place my life, I'm going to place my future, I'm going to place my desires, I'm going to place my longings under your mighty hand. I love that Peter says that because it's so descriptive. It's so, it opens up so much that the mighty hand of God. And then what does it say? That he may lift you up in due time. In other words, it's not that you go down and God just keeps you down. His foot is not on you. It says you're under his hand. So his hand is right there. When it's time to lift you up, boom. You got the hand right there. Lifted. Right in, in an instant. 
And then you're lifted in the right attitude, in the right, you know, you can handle it. I mean, think about, Peter knew this, right? Remember, this is the guy, Peter wrote the book of Peter. <laughs> Shocking, I know. But, but Peter was the guy that tried to have, you know, that had all the stuff going, and he was always the one talking to Jesus, say, Jesus, I have a better plan for you. Let me, don't, the cross, we're not, you're not gonna go get killed, we're gonna rule the world, man. I'm gonna be right, you know. I mean, think about all the disciples too, they had the same ideas. I mean, wasn't it one of the disciples' mothers, James and John, that sent their mom, you know, said, hey, mom, will you go ask Jesus something? And so, I don't know, maybe she's just one of those moms that just took it under, under herself. Let me, let me tell you about my kids, okay? Goes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I want, you know, this one to sit in your right hand and this one to sit in your left hand. And Jesus is like, boy, we are missing the point here, aren't we? <laughs> We are, we are worried about, you know, your, your sitting place in heaven. And Jesus is like, I came for a mission to, to save the world. It's not about setting up an earthly kingdom. It's not about us exalting ourselves. It's about us, you know, laying down our lives so that salvation can come to the whole world. And so you're going to join in that. But Peter, man, Peter was the one who knew what it was like to be down. I mean, he failed Jesus at his, at, at the most at the moment that Jesus needed him most. And he had a warning that he was going to do it. I mean, Jesus warned him, said, you're going to do this tonight. Peter's like, no, I'm not. You're going to do this tonight. (laughs) I don't care if everybody else leaves you, I'm never going to do it. (laughs) It's not going to happen, Jesus. I mean, how many times did Peter argue with Jesus? (laughs) Jesus, you don't know what's up, man. I've been, you know, maybe Peter was older than Jesus. Like, I know you're only 33. Come on now. <laughs> you got some more years to learn some stuff here. I don't really think that Peter was thinking that. But, uh, but that's who wrote this book. And so it makes it even more powerful that Peter says, I know what it's like to be, to be humbled and to be humbled by my own actions. And now I'm choosing to humble myself. And also, guess what? Was Peter lifted up? Yeah, Peter was the one who stood up on the day of Pentecost and spoke the word of God and 3,000 people got saved. Peter's the one that a couple day, a few days later, they're walking into the temple, Peter and John, and there's a lame man, and the lame man asks for money, and he says, I don't have any money, but get up in the name of Jesus and walk. I will give you what I have. And when he is testifying before the elders and really the, the Jewish ruling council, the Sadducees and Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, he says, it wasn't me, it was the power of the name of Jesus that this man stands healed so that Je- because he humbled himself, Jesus was able to lift him up to a place where he may have been exalted, so to speak, but he didn't exalt himself. He refused to take the glory because he knew the glory didn't belong to him. And that's what has to happen in our lives is when we put ourselves in the place of humility, God can lift us up, but He's sometimes has to wait a really long time for some of us, right? <laughs> I'm just talking about myself, right? You know, we, you know, I don't want to be lifted up to where I receive the glory. But when Jesus is lifting you up, He knows you're ready. You're ready to be in that place of influence. You're ready to have the miracles work through your hands. We know it's His miracle, right? But it still works through you. It's your mouth that speaks to someone and someone else becomes 
convicted of sin and turns their life over to Jesus. But you know it's not you. You don't get the glory, but you are being lifted up to do something amazing, to do something eternal, to do something that counts. And so Peter knew. Peter knew. He's like, I know what it is. I know what it is to be proud. Maybe that's why Peter emphasized it so much here at the end. Like, hey, you got to get this before I finish this letter. Maybe he didn't know he's going to write a second one, you know. <laughs> didn't plan. He wasn't, you know, he, he didn't know what he, you know, he was just following what the Lord told him to do. I, I believe, I don't know if he knew for sure. Like, oh, I'm going to write a little, another one later. He's like, let me tell you before I sign off, you've got to humble yourself. Put yourself under the hand of God. And then he says this, cast your anxiety, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And so even in the middle of, you know, all the, all the trials and tribulations, we know that there's some things that, man, it's just hard. And we have th- heart issues, we have cares, we have things that are weighing us down emotionally that we need to get rid of. And he says the word to cast them. Uh, you know, in other words, when I think of casting, I think of fishing, Okay. I like to, I, I, I learned to fish when I was growing up, and my dad likes it, and I do it with him. So, and my kids like it, so I'll do it with them. But when you cast something, you're getting something as far away from you as possible. When you first start casting, I know you cast like right straight down, right? <laughs> let me, let me try that. And when you're teaching somebody to cast, you're like, wow, that's amazing that you could cast so short. Um, <laughs> that's incredible. Right, Tommy? You know, I was like, let let me just do that for you. No, okay. You got to learn. You got to learn. Exercise some patience there, Dad. And so, um, <laughs> but when you, you cast something, I think Peter's using that word. In other words, he's saying, look, get this thing away from you. Amen. Give it to Jesus. He, he cares. He knows. He can do something about it. So get that stuff away from you. Throw it off. Again, it's not just you're not throwing it just behind you or beside you. You're throwing it to a person who says, I can take care of this. Because I do love you. I do care for you. I have been, I am intensely passionate for who you are. And so take your cares that are weighing your heart down, that are weighing your mind down, that are causing you anxiety and throw them to me. Get rid of them as far away from you as possible. So there's no confusion about who is handling them. Now, they're not just right in front of you where you can pick them back up. No, you're, you're going you're gonna to throw them off. You're going to release them to me. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let's just do that right now. If that's you, just close your eyes. Just, I just want you to just release those things to Jesus. If there's just something that's weighing you down right now... Lord, we just, we just release those things to you. We, we throw them off. Lord, emotional burdens that are on people's hearts right now where they just got this, this thing in their chest right now. It's just like a, a tightness. Lord, it's causing stress and anxiety, God. We just throw that off right now in Jesus' name. We release it to you, Jesus. Thank you that you love us, God, that you're, you haven't abandoned us, that, that be, just because we're in a hard situation, it doesn't mean that you've left us. It doesn't mean that you don't care for us, that you don't love us, that you're leaving us to do this on our own. So whatever that is, that burden in your heart right now, just, just lift it up to him. Just give it to him right now. We give it to you, Jesus.
We give it to you, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now may the peace of God that passes understanding flood these hearts that have released something right now. Be a guard over our hearts and minds. The peace, the powerful peace of God in Jesus' name. The shalom of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Last thing Peter says is this. Be alert and of sober mind. He's actually said that like several times throughout this book. In other words, pay attention. We have to be spiritually paying attention to what's going on. In other words, keep your mind clear from anything that would try to intoxicate it and and dull it to reality. Uh, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The word enemy there is a Greek word that actually means someone who brings a lawsuit against someone else. So in other words, this is an enemy who is trying to legally take you down and pursue you with something so that your life is ruined. That's who the devil is. He's, he's the enemy. He's the one coming. And he, you can be assured that the devil is a legalist. He is an absolute legalist. And so he's going to try to... You know, that's why when the, you know, Jesus and the Pharisees didn't get along because it's like the Pharisees are legalists and Jesus is like, I'm not a legalist. I'm coming to fulfill the law, not to hold people in bondage to the law. But the devil will use every legal loophole, every spiritually legal thing to hold someone in bondage, to, to harass them, to, uh, to, to gain access to their lives because the devil has no legal right to a believer in Jesus' life. We can give it to him, but he has no legal right. If we choose to hold unforgiveness, we're giving access. What does it say in Ephesians? You know, don't give the devil a foothold. In other words, don't give him access to your life through anger or through unforgiveness or through bitterness, whatever that is. In other words, I can open myself and he's going to take that legal loophole every single time. That spiritual legality is going to rush into there and say, I am looking for an opportunity. It says he is prowling around, that he is roaring like a lion. Uh, it doesn't say that he is a lion. It says he's roaring like a lion. Um uh, because he doesn't necessarily have any power uh, except what we give him. I mean, the devil had no power on earth until Adam fell. Because Adam gave him authority. And so we're, we're, we've now been restored. If you're a believer in Jesus, then you have been restored into relationship with God. You have been, been placed in relationship with creation in the right way. And so now you're in a place of authority, but you can still choose to use your authority to give access to the devil. And so Peter is here saying, in the midst of your trial and tribulation, just know that he's prowling around looking for an opportunity. Whether that's because you've isolated yourself, whether you've been caught in discouragement, whether you're, being, you're filling yourself with pride, whether it's some kind of impurity or immorality in your life, you are giving access to Him and He's waiting to pounce because He can't get at you unless you give Him a chance. And Peter says, here's what you do. You resist Him. You, you, there's no other way that you can deal with the enemy than to resist. You can't just play around. 
You can't ignore the situation. You can't hope that it goes away, right? Just, just go. I just hope that it goes away. I'm just going to go in my, my room and shut the door and go, to, go sleep for a long time. And it's just going to disappear, right? I'm just going to go to, I'm going to go to my TV show and I'm just going to binge watch a show and I'm going to hope that that thing goes away, right? That it's just going to, it's just going to disappear. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with it. No, you have to resist. You have to stand firm, it says, in the faith. You have to, you have to, to say no. And you're resisting a person who is wanting to bring evil into your life. You're resisting a person who is actively opposed to the plan of God for your life. Who is actively opposed to your identity as a son or daughter of the King of Kings. And you must resist Him. Too many believers in Jesus, we, we play around with the devil a little bit. We, we just, you know, have you ever been around those people who are... Who like want to know, hey, what what kind of things can I do once I become a Christian? In other words, how far can I go before it actually becomes sin? <laughs> Have you met someone like that? Like, how much of this can I actually do before it's really bad? And it's like, why why is that even a question? <laughs> why why do we even want to bother with that? It's like, is this okay? Can I do this thing that you know I'm already it's questionable because I'm asking a question about it, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to ask a question about, do I go love my neighbor, right? It's like, you know, oh God, do you want me to love my neighbor today? (laughs) I mean, do we pray some dumb prayers sometimes? Oh God, should I do this? He's like, I already said, yes, do it. (laughs) Should I not do this, God? Yes, I already said not to do that. (laughs) There's no reason to pray. (laughs) Just just pay attention. Be alert and sober-minded. But it's sometimes we have to learn as the people of God, as you grow in your faith, you have to learn to resist the devil. And that means you have to recognize his activity in your life. Is there confusion going around in, in your mind all the time? Guess what? That's a good sign that there's the activity of the enemy and you need to resist that confusion. Is there fear in your life or anxiety all the time? Then you have to recognize that, that that's not normal. It doesn't mean you're not normal. It just means that doesn't have to be normal for human beings and human existence to live in an anxiety, to live anxious all the time. And you need to resist that. Because the devil is looking to... Pr- Pounce on anybody he can, and he'll use any opportunity he can. Is your mind swirling with doubts all the time? That's not normal. You don't have to live that way. Resist that. Resist unbelief in your life. Man, we have to do that so many times because you're like, man, I already prayed about this. I was, this was, uh, I was reading uh, Mark Batterson. Uh, this this past week, uh, getting ready for for youth group, and uh, didn't have to give the message because we didn't have a youth group. But <laughs> whatever. But I was uh, Mark Batterson has this thing called the the bravest prayer, 
And he talks about the bravest prayer. And he says this, basically the bravest prayer is this. It's the prayer you prayed before, but you still haven't seen an answer to yet. And he gives a test, his testimony was in 2016. Uh, he was still praying a prayer that he'd been praying since he was a young child. And that prayer was this, God, please heal me of asthma. So he'd been asthmatic and had severe asthma attacks from the time he was very young. And that's all he can remember his whole life. All he rem- remembered was, I have asthma and I'm going to have attacks and I'm going to have to, you know, use my inhaler and, and do all the stuff I have to do all the time. And this is just a part of my life. But I'm going to keep praying the bravest prayer I can, which is, yes, I've been prayed for. He'd gone to conferences. He'd had amazing people pray for him. He'd had unamazing people pray for him. He had normal people pray for him. He'd had abnormal people pray for him. Whatever, you know. He'd had cool Christians pray for him, uncool Christians, whatever he could come up with. He'd prayed the prayer over and over again, but he continued to pray that same prayer to believe God and to resist unbelief. Because that's one of the things the enemy wants to kill us with is unbelief. In other words, just give up. Just let it go. It's not going to happen. And no, I'm going to resist that. I'm going to resist the devil and I'm gonna, he's going to flee from me. And so he continued to pray that prayer. And then finally in 2016, after I think 38 years, don't quote me on the number, a number of years, close to 30, 30 to 38 years, He was totally free from asthma. After 90 days, he hadn't used his inhaler at all. He'd never gone one day. He'd never gone even one day without using it since he was a young child. But he kept believing in God. He kept resisting unbelief. And it's interesting because I was reading this article that was 2020. He said, I still haven't used my inhaler. In fact, I don't have one anymore, (laughs) basically, because God healed me of asthma. And so sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to resist what is telling us to give up. We need to resist what is what is trying to get us to stop pursuing God. It's like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. Well, did God put a promise in your heart? Did did Jesus Put something in you? Had, was there something in the Word of God that was came to life when you were reading? And you're like, no, this is God. This is in the Word. This is God confirming it by the Holy Spirit in my heart. But the enemy is prowling around for an opportunity to trap you, whether that's unbelief, whether that's fear, whether that's impurity, whether that's addiction, whether it's anger, whether it's unforgiveness, whatever it is, he's prowling around looking for someone to devour. And we get to resist him standing firm in the faith and knowing that, you know what, there's people all over the earth who are fighting the same battle. I'm not the only one doing this. That's what it says here. Look, the family of believers all over the, the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In other words, you're not the only one who's resisting and standing firm. You're not the only one who's in a battle right now. It may look like everyone else is having a perfect life. They probably aren't. <laughs> they're, they're in their own battle and they're resisting their own things. They're just not resisting the same thing maybe. But they're, they're in the battle and that's why we need each other. We need to encourage one another and strengthen one another because sometimes we just can't fight anymore. We need someone else to come alongside us and say, I'm going to fight for you right now. I'm going to put up my shield of faith. 
uh, even though you're, you're, you're too tired to lift yours up, I'm going to put it up for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. I'm going to stand with you. And so Peter says, look, it's just going to be a little while. And you're like, Peter, come on, man. You don't know how long this has been. No, Peter's, Peter's talking about this. He's like, compared to eternity, this is going to be a little while. If you have to deal with something your whole life on earth, it's just a little while compared to eternity. It's, it's true, but it's hard to, hard to realize sometimes. <laughs> it's like, it's easy to say. Oh, Pastor John, it's easy. I know it's easy to say. I just said it. Um, <laughs> but it's hard to live. It's hard to walk it out. And Peter is wanting us to say, look, you're going to get the grace of God. Stand firm in the faith. And God's grace is going to be sufficient for you. His power will be made perfect in weakness. So don't give up. Don't give up. And continue to learn to resist the enemy. Resist what he's doing in your life. Begin to recognize when you're like, how come my, this day is going the way it shouldn't go? Well, resist. you might need some resistance going on. There's, there's a little bit of resistance that you need to exercise. The great thing about resisting is that when a believer in Jesus resists the devil, he must flee. I believe it's in the book of James. James has a very similar passage in it where it says, humble yourself before God's mighty hand. It says a lot of the same things. And then it says the same thing. Hey, you've got to resist the devil so that he flees from you. In other words, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In other words, if you put yourself in the right place and you resist the enemy who's coming against you, God's going to get rid of him. He's going to say, look, you, you leave him alone. You leave her alone in this season right now. You're in a place of safety. You know, he who dwells in the secret place will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. There's a place of safety. It doesn't mean you may not have struggles, but you are in a place of safety and peace even in the midst of a storm. And so we have to learn to resist, though. We have to learn not to accept things. We have to learn to say, say no to things. There, there's definitely one person it's okay to say no to, and that's say no to, to the devil. Say no to fear. Say no to doubt. Say no to unbelief. Say no to lust. Say no to, to anxiety. Whatever it is, say no to, to, uh, to outbursts of anger. Say no to non-self-controlling yourself. Whatever it is, I'm going to resist those things that are in my life that are not from God, but that are from the enemy who try to devour me with them, wants to consume me with them. And so as we, as we close today, you know, this has been an amazing book. Uh, Peter says, look, you're going you're gonna to receive grace. Uh, and I, it's interesting, the commentary I was reading on 1 Peter uh, doesn't matter who's by. The name's, guy's name is Scott McKnight. Uh, it's either him or the Passion Translation. says this, you know, Peter had, had something on his life because of what he went through where he could impart it to, to other people to say, look, you're going to get power in the midst of suffering. And I, I'm able to release it to you because I've been through it. And I know that you can, you can make it through. I know that God's faithful. I know that he's going to carry you through. I know what it is to not be humble. I know what it is to be humble. I know what it is to see God come through. And I know what it is to resist the enemy. 
And so we can, we can receive a lot from 1 Peter. So I want to I pray over us today as we close. And then we'll, we'll invite our leaders up. If you have specific prayer needs uh, that you want someone to agree with, we'll, we, will, we will do that. Why don't we go ahead and everybody stand up. Thank you, Lord. As, as we kind of come to a close on this section of the, of the word, we just declare, Lord, every truth that's been released to our hearts from the book of 1 Peter. Lord, we thank you for it coming alive in our lives. Lord, we thank you for it being used in our lives, that we will use the tools that you give us in the word of God, of humility, God, of casting our cares on you, of resisting the devil, Lord, of being patient and suffering, of submitting ourselves to God, of trusting you, God, of placing ourselves under your authority, Lord, of being patient and and suffering with Christ. All those truths that have been released to us through this book, Lord, we just pray that they come alive in our lives, Lord, that they wouldn't just be in our head. Lord, we just we just move them from our head to our heart, to our to our spirit man, and we say come awake to the truth of God. And I just pray for anyone, Lord, who's who's in a who's in a feels like they're in a battle right now. God, we just we just declare strength as they resist. Lord, I declare that that every single person in here is going to be an overcomer who resists the enemy and he flees from them. God, that they'll see that you have given your strength in their life, God. And so I declare that over every person today, that they will be a resistor of the enemy. They will see the the victory of God released in their lives. They will be people of humility, God, where they humble themselves and are dependent upon you. And your mighty hand is going to bring the victory, God. We just declare that today, that your mighty hand and your outstretched arm are still at work. And so we are looking to you, Lord. Help us keep our eyes on you, Jesus. And we thank you for that. In, in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you uh, if, have the leaders come on up. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I think I know everybody here, but I don't necessarily know. Come on up and receive prayer. If you need healing in your body for something, come receive prayer from our leaders. If you are coming to our house tonight for our connection meeting, if you're new to our fellowship, uh, come see me if you want to know more about our church and how it is to get plugged in. That is tonight at, at 6.30 at my house. We just need to know who's coming so we have enough little desserts and drinks for you already before you come tonight. If you're going to home group, you can see uh, David and Felicia. Uh, so theirs is at 6, ours is at 6.30. But uh, just come let me know or grab Ashley after she's done with the kids. Uh, and if you need prayer, come on up. And we will see you very soon. Bless you all.